Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's level one adult and pediatric promise center presents Healthy Matters. As always, consult your personal physician if you have health concerns. Here's Denny Long with Hennepin Healthcare internal medicine physician, Dr. David Hilden. Yes, and always welcoming your phone calls and text messages on topic today. Good morning. Let me give you the number before we say hello to and welcome back to Dr. Welcome back, Dr. Hilton. It's good to see Thank you. Thank you. Uh, happy You've been Sunday, missed. everybody. I've been out of the country. Yeah. I've been over in Thailand for uh, about a week and a couple of extra days, but it, it was over two weekends. So that had it felt to be like a, longer. That had to be a little bit of a flight. Yeah, it was 25 hours. That Ooh. was a long time. Oh, it, you know, in the air was probably, I don't know, 22, something like that. But I've discovered the wonders of the Seoul Korea Airport. Holy cow! We just don't have anything like that. It's an airport like I've never seen. Before. Really? It's just, oh, it's unbelievable. We have such a good one here at MSP. Oh, and I come back and ours is actually really lovely. But it's you know it's you know it's older. This thing looks like it's just it's just unbelievable. So modern. Oh wow. my goodness. Well, uh, again, we have a special uh, topic, and you brought a special guest with you. Indeed, I did, Denny. We're going to talk about influenza today. It is the season, and as listeners know, we've. We often talk a lot about flu this time of year here and there. We kind of try to answer a few of your questions about what is it and what about the shots? What about the flu vaccines? Well, today we're going to dedicate the show to it, and I have brought a guest to help me out. Nan Lohman is a registered nurse and is a clinical supervisor at Hennepin Healthcare in our our visiting nursing association group. Uh, Welcome, Nan. Good to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. It's um, um, Nanza is going to tell us more about what she does. Um, um, she is uh, responsible for supervising our community outreach in, in giving influenza vaccines. So she is uh, an expert on what, what happens when you go to one of those, uh, um, one of your places where they say, okay, get your flu shot today. Well, she is the one who is an expert at doing that. Um, start us off if you could, Nan. Tell us, some, tell us about what your job is at uh, MBNA. As the clinical supervisor, I oversee about 100 nurses and 50 people who help with registration. And what those nurses do is they go out to work sites and schools, community centers, any place that can host a flu shot clinic, and I oversee those nurses who provide that service to people out in the community. So you're at places of business, churches, schools, things right. like that. Right. We're at schools all over the, the state. We're at work sites all over the state and community centers. And you have 100 nurses who do that. You must give a lot of shots. We do. In a typical year, we'll give about sixty to 65,000 shots. Um, that's a typical year for us. Just a, just a couple of needles that you guys get to do. Okay, how many of those, for those who are asking, how many of those are the nasal spray and not a shot? Um, typically, we give about a thousand nasal sprays. So not quite as many, right? You know, that, right. That's a that's a people ask about that a lot on the show. Should I get the nasal spray instead? I hate getting shots. Well, I got my flu shot a few weeks ago. Well, maybe it was a month ago now, and um, I uh, I'm a big advocate. Well, as we all ought to be, 
I'm a big advocate for doing this. So I'm really glad to have someone here who who can help us out to to answer your questions about um, flu shots and about whether, you know, people call the show all the time. Do I need a flu shot? Should I get this one? Should I get that one? Should I get the nasal spray? So it's really good to have someone here who knows what she's talking about. I know about flu, but I don't know about all the mechanics of the flu shots. How do you go about setting up a site? Do they call you and say, hey, we want... We want you to come out, or how does it happen that you will end up in a church or a school or a work site? Well, it happens in a number of ways. Uh, we get a lot of referrals because we have repeat customers every year, and then we do get new customers calling us every year. And we also do outreach to people, especially the schools, because we really believe in getting the school the school kids vaccinated. Do you, um, when you do that, do you just line them up in the gym with their like arms <laughs> against the wall and say, "Okay, here we go, kids." It just kind of depends what site we're at. When we go out to work sites, we actually have online scheduling, so it's super convenient for the work site because people aren't standing in line away from their desk for a long time. So we have online scheduling there. And at the schools, we've learned to staff enough nurses, so typically there's no longer than a 10-minute wait. How do how do the kids do? Uh, <laughs> uh, it's always really fun to go out and do a school. They're one of my favorite sites to be at because— Only a nurse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Only a nurse will tell you that it's fun to go out to schools and give shots. Yeah, let's be honest. Um, a lot of kids have a lot of anxiety, but we spend time training our nurses every year on how to deal with that anxiety to help kids feel less afraid of getting a flu shot or the nasal spray. Do most kids tolerate it okay? People ask this all the time. My kid hates a shot. I'm not going through it. Uh, most kids do. And at our sites, if a child is particularly afraid or crying or um, unable to calm themselves down enough to sit down, we do recommend they go to their, their clinic and mm-hmm. get it done. So when you do it in schools, do you have to have a – is the parent there or did they have to sign off on something or how does that – um, we've, we've done it both ways. Um, sometimes we do do it during the workday and then um, the parents sign off on it. And then at other times, the parents that we often schedule with school events like turkey bingo or parent-teacher conference nights, so then the whole family comes. Oh, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah. So how is acceptance this year? Are you getting good getting good turnout and, and acceptance of getting the shot? I'm sorry, I guess what I'm trying to say. It's a typical year. Um, you know, some years people hear more things, and the message that is out there this year is that we are expecting it to be a worse season than usual because in the Southern Hemisphere, they had a pretty rough season. So we are kind of expecting it to be a harder season than normal. Why do we look at the Southern Hemisphere, Nan? Well, because they I just... do that sometimes. <laughs> I talk about what's going on in Australia. Yeah. They just went through winter down there. So they just had their flu season. So now it's now it's our turn. So we can watch and see what happened down there. And we did see a bad flu season in the Southern Hemisphere. So typic- typically the Northern Hemisphere will follow. I always found that fascinating that we're going to see what's going on in Australia. So we know what to right. do here. And I know, to, you know, for listeners, two years ago, isn't this right, Nan? Two years ago was a rough year for flu. It was. Last year was a little bit better. Right. It was a really bad year a couple years ago. People don't understand or don't maybe realize. Um, I didn't. I didn't realize this um, until I got into medicine, how, how serious flu is. For me, it was always, well, flu is that thing that killed a whole bunch of people in 1917, 1918, around World War One, and that was this thing in the past. It's not a thing in the past. It's an annual event. 
and some 80,000 people or so, give or take a few, died of influenza just in that season two years ago. So it's a big deal. It's a big deal now. Yes. And and in the hospital where we are, we all the time, we're starting to see sporadic cases coming through, aren't we? Um, it's not yet widespread in the state of Minnesota, but it's only a matter of time. It's still only November, and our, we usually um, peak a little bit later, don't we? We do. Typically, February is our biggest month in Minnesota. Well, we're gonna take um, we're gonna take your calls and your texts. I'm talking about influenza today, and with Nan Loman, she is a clinical supervisor, a registered nurse in our inf- uh, vaccination program. Very good. We'll uh, take a quick break. Let's invite our listeners to join in uh, on the conversation. Uh, the same number applies to the phone call, and we have opened up the lines now and the text messages. So, same number, and that is six five one nine eight nine. 9226. Call in your question or text it right now. We're talking influenza here on Healthy Matters and News Talk 830 WCCO. And welcome back to Healthy Matters this morning. We're talking about influenza, of course, inviting your phone calls and text messages on the topics. Uh, 651-989-9226. Here again is Dr. Hilden. Thank you, Danny. We're talking to Nan Lohman, who is a clinical supervisor in uh, in our um, Minnesota Visiting Nursing Association, which is part of the Hennepin Healthcare family. She does um, influenza vaccines at out in the community. How would someone, if they wanted to schedule, that's I want to get back kind of to some logistics before we talk about the vaccines themselves. How much? How would they go about getting them, getting you to get a group out to their work site or their school or their wherever? Sure. The easiest thing to do is to give us a call at 612-873-0800. And then our account manager will reach out to you and help you schedule a clinic. We do ask if you are worksite that you have at least 20 participants. And then there's no charge to the worksite at all if you have at least 20 people to participate. Um, And typically we can come out on site at a time that works for you. We can cover shifts. We have clinics that start at midnight. We have clinics that start at 6 you o'clock do? in the morning. We do. I can't say 24 hours yet, but we have clinics at all different times of the day. Mm-hmm. So if you are running a business and you want to provide that service for your employees or it's a school, would you do churches as well? We do. Sunday mornings we go to churches. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure I go to a little bitty church in South Minneapolis. I'm pretty sure MBNA has been out there doing our flu shot um, clinics as well. And so tell me how long does it take and what can people expect when they come into one of your flu shot clinics? Well, typically the whole process for each person takes about two minutes. It's not a long process. We do a lot of things ahead of time. We make it as easy and convenient for people as possible. And like I said, at our work sites, we do have online scheduling that the company can choose to use. A lot of companies use a sign-up. But it's a very quick process. Yeah. I've, I've been through some that did take literally about two minutes. And who administers the shots? What, 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 what is your staff training? All of our nurses are registered nurses and, who have lots of experience out giving immunizations. Yeah, so they don't, they're not, they don't take like a big dart from across the room and go, <laughs> I, I've, I've had it done. It's just it is absolutely the most professional um, group I can, you can possibly imagine. So um, – a little bit more about the vaccines themselves now. So people talk about the high-dose vaccine. They talk about the regular one. They talk about the one that has three strains in it. They talk about the one that has four. What are you offering this year in the vaccines? Well, what we typically bring out to work sites are just the regular quadrivalent, which is suitable for anybody six months and up. And we do actually vaccinate anyone six months and up that medically qualifies. We also bring out high-dose, which is licensed for those folks who are 65 and older, and we also have nasal spray. 
that goes up the nose. So why would you get the high dose? Typically, it's licensed for those adults 65 and older. And what it does, it has four times the antigens. And that's just a real fancy word for it's stronger. Because what happens to us as an adult is our immune system tends to wax and wane a little bit. So it needs a little extra help. And so that's what the high dose does. It gives you a little better boost. I've told people in the past, and um, a little bit this year, but uh, who couldn't find it or, or they got to the wherever they were going and they were offering just the regular quadrivalent one, but they didn't have the high-dose one. Do you recommend that they get it anyway? We do because if you look at what the CDC says, any flu shot is better than no flu shot. And so to get vaccinated, it's going to help you. And there are a lot of adults over 65 who still choose to get the quadrivalent and not the high dose. Yeah, I, 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 I get that question just a whole bunch. And people do wonder about that. And, and I say pretty much what you've just said, Nan, that uh, it's better to get something. So if the place you go only has – now, the quadrivalent one is the one for almost everybody else. But if, you, if they don't have the high-dose one, it's okay. It is. Go ahead and get the one that they do have because it's, um, it, it's important to get something. So what do you tell people that say, I don't want to get one at all because I've never had the flu? Because I never get sick. We hear that a lot. Do you ever hear that? <laughs> we hear I'm that I'm pretty sure I've never had influenza, but um, I get it every year. Well, what do you say to people? I'm curious as to what you say, Nan, because I get told this all the time. Right. Well, from my own personal experience, I was the same way through my 20s and early 30s. And about my mid-30s, I got influenza. And once you get influenza, you never forget. It's the sickest I've ever been in my life. And because of that, I've gotten one every every year since because I never want to be that sick again. And another thing I like to talk to people about, though, is if you're around little babies or young kids, and even though you don't ever get sick, you don't want to be a carrier for that child. You don't want to bring them influenza. So you want to not, you're not only protecting yourself, but you're protecting your loved ones. And maybe you're a 20-year-old who's around your grandma all the time. And, you know, you don't want your grandma getting influenza because that can be potentially very serious for her. I like that advice. I often, I've gone a lot to the, well, if you're not going to do it for yourself, do it for grandma. Mm -hmm. I've gone to that argument a lot. It is true for uh, listeners out there who have maybe thought that themselves. If you're one of those good people who have said, well, I've never had influenza. I I also use the thing, well, I've never been in a head-on collision either, but I still wear my seatbelt. That's (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) I I always say that too. But there is, there's the two, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that so that we make sure people get that. There's two reasons, there's more than two, but there's two real reasons that you might get an influenza shot. Um, One is to protect yourself because Mm -hmm. as as Nan said, it is awful. I'll describe it a little bit after the break, what what influenza looks like. Um, It's awful. And um, many people who even think they got the flu didn't. They just had a, a cold. It's really bad. So you do it for yourself. But the second real big reason for getting an influenza vaccine is to protect everybody else. So we, we don't live in isolation. We live by little children and we live by babies and we live by older adults. And then there's that whole group of people who are just have chronic illnesses. Uh, they Maybe they have diabetes or they have heart failure or they have lung disease or asthma, they're at a higher risk of problems if they do get influenza. So you can be passing on this thing to someone else and you don't even know it. And so that's, I think, maybe maybe that's even the more compelling reason to do it. If you are a, an older adult around your grandchildren, do it for the grandkids. 
And if you're a regular, if you're an adult in your 20s, maybe you're a 20, 30, 40-year-old younger person, do it so you don't pass it on to your relatives. Does that work when you tell people that that kind of argument, Nan? Sometimes it does. Mm-hmm. But, you know, something else we have kind of found, like especially at a work site, if your coworkers are getting vaccinated, there is a little bit of pressure to get vaccinated often. So sometimes oh. that works, too. Oh, that's so. good, too. A little mm-hmm. a little teeny bit of peer, mm-hmm. peer pressure might help there. And and for listeners who might be wondering about the one or the other, legit, it's a legitimate concern, but it's not based in any fact. Is it that you can't about, well, I get flu from it. I always get flu from it. What do you tell people when they say, I, I get sick when I get the flu shot? That's a great argument, too. That That's the other one that we hear all the time out at the work sites as well. Last year I got the flu shot, and I got sick after I got it. And a couple things are happening there because either you were getting sick before you got the flu shot, so it just kind of coincided with it. But there is some, there are a few people that after they get the flu shot for about 24 hours afterwards do develop a low-grade fever, body aches, and a headache. It happened to my daughter-in-law this year. But she said, I still would rather have a low-grade infection like that for 24 hours than have the real influenza. That happened. It does happen to mm-hmm. a lot of people mm-hmm. where you get this low-grade, yeah, you might feel a little crummy. What about the, the length of time? You've answered this before, Dr. Hilden. If, if, if I got a shot today, is it immediately effective? It generally takes about two weeks for the antibodies to build okay. up. So, but you it, could still get the flu, right? It is during not that too. Yeah, yeah, you you could you no, could get no. it. And another argument you hear: Well, I got the influenza twice last year, and that happens too, um, because they do try to pick the circulating strains that they believe are going to be out there every year. Yeah, all of those are they're real. I mean, people can you can still get flu if you get it the week after your shot because it hasn't taken effect yeah. yet. And you can still get this little inflammatory response that makes you feel crummy, even with a teeny low-grade temperature. It's not going to be 103, and you're not going to be laid up forever. But you can, you can get a little low-grade um, feeling crummy for a day or two. Your body is reacting to something. But it's physiologically impossible to get influenza from the vaccine. It is not capable of producing uh, actual disease. That's not, um, that can't happen. Right. We need to take a break. We have another half hour of the show to go, and we welcome your phone calls or text messages. We're talking, if you're just joining us, about influenza. Did you get the flu shot? 651-989-9226. That number applies to both the phone calls and the text messages. Fog and mist, we'll have a look at that forecast coming up here on CCO. 38 degrees now. And good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters on this Sunday morning. If you have a question about our topic today, uh, influenza it is, call us or text us, same number, 651-989-9226. Uh, if you want to call, there is a line open. I know, Dr. Hilden, we have uh, some text messages as well. We do, Denny. Thank you very much. We're talking to Nan Lohman, who is the clinical supervisor um, of Worksite Wellness in Hennepin Healthcare. She works in the area of flu vaccine and has for over 10 years. We have a lot of text messages um, about some of the uh, uh, aspects of flu vaccines, and we're going to get to those in just a moment. I wanted to tell listeners what influenza looks like um, because that question comes up a lot, and, and what's the difference between a cold and the flu? So just for a little uh, in the way of public service announcement kind of stuff here, influenza will hit you very hard and very suddenly. It's very rapid onset. In other words, people who get the flu often can tell you the time of day they got it. It it doesn't sneak up on you. Now, a cold will sneak up on you. You might feel a little scratchy throat or a little, you might just feel a little tired or a little snifflies or something, and that goes on for a few days. 
and it just sneaks up on you and it lasts for a few days and then it takes many days to get better. That's a cold. Flu comes on rapidly. That's the one thing. Second thing is flu usually has a very high fever. It might just be 100, 101, but it can be higher than that. It can be 102, 103. You'll have a fever with the flu. With a cold, you'll generally not have a high fever. You might have just a very mild one with a cold, a mild fever. But So rapid onset, fever, that's flu. Third thing is you often have whole body aches. Your whole body can have what we call myalgias or body muscle aches. That is also uncommon with a cold. With the common cold, it's usually above your neck. It's your head. You have sniffly nose. You have a sore throat. You might be coughing and sneezing. Your eyes might itch. You might have just a little bit of congestion in your upper chest, but it's generally way upper chest and in your head. That's the cold. Influenza, your whole body aches so bad you can't get out of bed. So body aches, high fever, rapid onset. And with influenza, you usually can't go about your daily business. You're laid up. You're in bed. You're not going to work. <laughs> um, you, you couldn't. Whereas with a cold, lot sometimes people motor through it. Is that kind of what you see, Nan? Is that about the difference between a cold and the flu? People often ask. It is. It's that's very very typical. I, I, uh, my oldest son, who's thirty, likes to tell the story. When I did have influenza, I still remember I got it mid morning, and around noontime, my husband called home to see how I was doing. That was back in the days of phone being on the wall. And my little six year old gets up and answers at the phone, and he clearly had asked. To, my husband had asked to speak to me. My son says, well, mom can't come to the phone because she's sleeping on the couch. Mm. So here was my six-year-old running around uh, because it hit me so hard and so fast, and I had the 103-degree fever. You got the whole mm-hmm. shooting match. Mm-hmm. That's how it happens. Really fast. I have people tell me, yeah, I was fine at breakfast, and mm-hmm. it wasn't at lunch. It happened. Yeah. They can tell you that, that specifically. It really does hit you hard. So- some people say, "Oh, I, I got the stomach flu." That's a whole different animal. That's that's it? a whole yeah. That's a misnomer, really. I still sometimes say that. I try to say I got the stomach bug or something. Flu is a lung disease. It's a respiratory virus, and it is a virus. Um, but uh, no, the stomach flu is not the flu at all. Um, but it's it's a term that's kind of kind of stuck a little bit. Do we have time to? Go? Or, or I'm going to start going to some of these text messages, and then we'll go to the phones. Um, there's a couple of questions on the text line about who's paying for all of this. So let me um, let me just ask you, Nan, about a couple of these. Here's one that says there must be a ton of money in flu vaccines. Who's paying for it? Is it big pharma? What do you think? Well, the pharmacy companies do they do make the vaccine, and we purchase it from them. Um, so I'm sure they're making a profit. And then we do go out to the work sites, and we do need to have 20 people out there in order for us to. Um, come out there and do it on site. And we do make some money for it, from it. But if you get a flu shot from Hennepin, it's great because it comes right back into the services that we offer um, for those who, who need help. So our team of seven women who actually work on this year-round, that is our mission and that is our goal, that we vaccinate even those who can't afford to get a vaccination. We try to find ways to vaccinate them. That's a really good answer to that. I'm still waiting for my uh, check check from the flu vaccine. <laughs> if this is a big money maker for anybody, they would have to be some of the worst business people in the history of the world. Um, it's not a money maker for now. It is it is true that your your local 
pharmacies or your clinics or even the pharmaceutical companies that making it there there is, there is we do run a market driven system right. of of health care somebody's making this stuff there is money changes hands and somebody's making some profit on that including the person that makes the the vaccine but i have yet to hear once in 20 years of practicing medicine anybody talk about the financial value of giving influenza vaccines. All we talk about is public health and what's the right thing for the patient. So if you're wondering out there, listeners, of who's getting all the money, where's the incentive to this, this couldn't be um, uh, an issue that's more about public health and, and the health care of our communities than anything I can, I can think of. We never, <laughs> not once have I ever um, had a conversation about the financial aspects of influenza vaccines because it would be not a very good business model if, um, uh, if, if we were worried about that. Here's a question, Nan, that's about the preservatives. And this is legitimate. People want to know what's in this stuff. And this one says, I was wondering what preservative is used in the flu vaccine. A few years ago, I was treated for lead and mercury poisoning. Is mercury the preservative? And if so, why would I want to add that to my body since our bodies can't get rid of it without chelation therapy? Thank you. Well, what you're talking about is thimerosal, and thimerosal is used in one presentation of the flu vaccination, and it's the ones that come in multi-dose vials, and it's needed in order to keep bacteria from growing in it because the nurse is drawing multiple doses out of it. But most presentations of flu vaccinations don't have thimerosal in it. And the other interesting thing, the mercury that you're talking about is not the same mercury that's used as a preservative for flu vaccinations. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Oh, so that's a good answer. Thank you, Nan. Should we go to the phone lines? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, I believe uh, Dave is first up here. Dave in Northfield, what's your question, Dave? Hi. Uh, when I got my flu vaccine a few weeks ago, I had bleeding at the first time ever where it bled, where they gave me the shot. My question is, is there a chance I lost some of the medicine during that bleeding process? You know, that does happen occasionally when a vaccination is given. It's just an unfortunate where it goes into the the muscle. But, no, typically you don't lose any of the vaccine. You should be just fine this year. So that doesn't happen very often. Is that just a, a luck of it? It's just hit, they hit a capillary. They just the nurse just happened to hit a capillary, and she went right on past that capillary and got into your muscle and gave the vaccine. But then your capillary bled a little bit, exactly. Oh, so they just keep. Just keep going. So when, when, tell me more about that if you could, Ned. When the shot goes in, where is it going? They're not putting it into a blood vessel. Right. Where is it going? It's going into your deltoid muscle typically, unless you're a baby. Then it goes into a different muscle. But it goes into your um, upper arm, into the muscle. How does it get into your body then? It just kind of diffuses in. Diffuses in, in right, right. right. So, so when they're doing <laughs> – but it's, it's kind of – that's a really good question that Dave had. So when you're bleeding – the flu vaccine wasn't going into that capillary. Right. That, that is, and it just takes a couple of drops of blood to be rather dramatic. Correct. It went into the muscle tissue underneath there, so where it just kind of like then slowly works its way into your blood. Why, why is there, there's nothing dramatic as far as the pain, but sometimes your, your arm gets a little sore. Is it just a little shock to the muscle, or what's the deal with that? Well, you get you do get a little um, you do get a local inflammatory reaction to a foreign thing in your body because okay. it is a foreign thing in your body. So you so all, that's how vaccines work. We introduce what's called an an antigen, right? Yeah, we have looking at Nan to make sure that I'm right there. We introduce a little antigen, a little foreign thing, a little substance into your body that your body reacts to, and our bodies are so good at remembering. And so once it's seen it once with this flu vaccine, it um, 
it remembers it for the rest of the season so that if you get exposed to that strain of flu virus, your body's already seen it before and it remembers that. And so it's able to fight that when you hit the real McCoy, if you will, sometime later in the season. It does bring up the point of, well, why doesn't it work forever? If your body's so good at remembering it, it's because the influenza viruses are really clever little guys and they mutate constantly. They're constantly, constantly, constantly changing and so the one we have this year is just slightly different than the one we had last year. That's why we have to keep getting new ones over and over and over. What I think we do need, a good point about this is we should all be calling our Congress people and saying we need a national emphasis on developing vaccines that don't need to be given every year. Wouldn't it be great if there were one? Uh, our technology isn't there yet. But we just got it once, and then you wouldn't have to get it every year. That'd be cool. Although I don't want to put you out of a job, Nan. <laughs> That would be a good thing, though. That would be a good thing. We are not there yet, though. Um, All right, let's 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 go back to the phones. Doug is calling from Coon Rapids, I believe. Doug, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm uh, 76 and, and uh, was supposed to get the, uh, the higher dose uh, shot, but uh, unfortunately the provider only had the, uh, the average dose or average strength shot, so I've got that. Anyway, do I need to get a, the, a second uh, average strength, or do I just wait now? Or yeah, what? What's my situation? No, you getting the quadrivalent is still an excellent vaccine, and it was great that you went ahead and got it anyway. There were some delays with the high dose coming into the United States, and so it's great that you went ahead and got that one. And you don't need to get high dose this year. It was the smart. That is the recommendation to get when we say the quadrivalent one. That's the one with four strains in it. That's the one that's out. That's recommended for everybody over age six months. And if you if they didn't have the high dose one available, it's okay. And it's not only okay. It's recommended that you go ahead and get the what uh, what Doug referred to as the average one. That's still the right thing to do. It still gives you the majority of the benefit you would have got. Anyway, that's correct. What do you give to babies? And, and could you talk about the recommendation for small children? Um, babies get the same quadrivalent vaccine, but if a child is nine or under we, and they're getting their first vaccine ever, we do recommend two in the, the first year only. So that's something for moms and dads to think about if you're vaccinating that baby. And when I think about babies, I often think about pregnant women, too, and how really important it is for pregnant women or new moms to get a vaccine and everyone that's around that baby. That's a huge point that we haven't talked about yet. Thank you for bringing that up, Nan. Um, pregnant women, babies, and uh, it is so they're a, a vulnerable group of people. And so if you are pregnant or if you have a baby over six months, um, you need to get the shots as well. The recommendation is pretty much everybody over age six months, isn't it? With right. the minor exceptions? There's a few people for medical reasons that don't qualify, but most people can get it and should get it. Yeah, it is, it's much better or much easier to understand recommendations than there were, oh, I don't know, five or ten years ago. We had so many different exceptions, and if you're this or you're that or you're this or you're that. Now it's if you're six, a six-month-old baby or older with some – relatively uncommon medical exceptions, but the vast majority of people can go ahead and get it. We're going to get back to the phones and back to the text lines after our break. We're talking with Nan Lohman from Hennepin Healthcare and the Minnesota Visiting Nurses Association about influenza vaccines. And um, 
I want to tell you a little bit more about Hennepin. We, we have flu shot clinics all over the place, including at our neighborhood clinics where our experts are kind of close to where you live and work. We're not just in downtown Minneapolis. We have family medicine and pediatrics. We have geriatricians. We have obstetrics and gynecology. We have prenatal care and lots of other specialties at our neighborhood clinics, not just downtown. They're up in Brooklyn Park. They're in South Minneapolis. They're in Golden Valley, Richfield, St. Anthony. So give us a call if you want to get to any of these clinics at 612-873-6963. That number again is 612-873-MYMD. Very good. All right. Thanks, Danny. We'll take uh, this quick break and be right back welcoming your calls and text messages about influenza this morning on Healthy Matters here on News Talk 830 WCCO. And welcome back to this portion of Healthy Matters. We're talking about influenza. If you're just joining us, you want to get in on the conversation, call us or text us. Same number, 651-989-9226. Here again, Dr. Hilden. Let me roar through a couple of these texts, and then we'll get to the phone lines. People have um, given a few texts, Nan, that I think are right on point about the payment aspect. I covered about is it about who's making the profits from it, but somebody did bring up a good point about we do bill insurance, Correct. Right. We can bill any insurance, and most insurances do cover it completely. There are a few uh, plans out there that don't, and so a person might get have to pay a little copay or something like that. But in general, insurance companies love people getting a flu shot because it's preventative, and they'd rather pay for your flu shot than for you to end up in the hospital with pneumonia. Exactly. That's and There's a texter that says the insurance companies back the program. They do it to save money because people won't get sick. Right. And they save money in the end. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's a good good uh, clarification about the financial aspects about that. Here's a texter that says, what about allergies to eggs? That's always a big, big question. Um, and again, the vaccines are made in different ways, and the most common one is they're grown in eggs, believe it or not, and then they're harvested and then the vaccine is made. So the new recommendation is unless someone has a really, really severe reaction like anaphylactic, like they're short of breath and can't breathe, that happened to them, they're pretty much okay to get the vaccine even though it is grown on eggs. One more text um, that says, is it okay to get the flu shot while taking the antiviral medication Val-Acyclovir? Yes, it is. All right. Thank you. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Dave is calling from Invergrove, I believe. Uh, Dave, you're on CCO. What can we do for you? Well, I have have one question, and that is, has your speaker heard of any relationship between the flu shot and Julian-Barre syndrome? Now, this has been uh, stoutly denied by all the medical people that I've uh, asked a question of before, uh, but last week on your program, the, the doctor that was there said the following. He said, if you have Julian Barre, do not get the flu shot. Now, that's the first relationship I've heard of anybody really admitting to. Mayo Clinic a while back, of course, they won't uh, endorse anything. It doesn't have, you know, serious documented uh studies. Yeah. But, uh, well, Dave, those are good points. And um, over about the last 10 years, I brought Guillain Barre up many times in relation to the flu shot. I have many times. So why don't you tell us what you know about that, Nan? Well, typically at our clinics, when we go out to the work sites and schools, if someone does have a history of Guillain Barre, we recommend they talk to their doctor about it because maybe you had it 30 years ago. And it's okay to get the flu shot now. If it's more recent or something like that, we're noticing that doctors may decide to delay a year or two before they get that. 
But if you look at the research, they are looking at it, and there was some link of Guillain-Barre to a flu shot. But as I'm reading the research now, it, that's becoming less and less of an issue. And I have a feeling within the next two to three years, they'll say it's okay to get the flu shot. It, you are, it's a good thing to bring up, um, Dave. We should be talking about those things. And I think the science is just evolving quite a bit, and it might not be as bad as we once thought. But, yes, it was a thing we ta- used to talk about a great deal. So thank you for your call. I do appreciate it, Dave. Uh, let's go to Ken, who's calling in from uh, Blaine this morning. Ken, you're on CCO. Good morning. Um, a, a comment first and then a question. Uh, the comment I have is it's kind of interesting you were talking about, you know, paying for the flow shots and what happens there. Well, I mean, it's kind of interesting that uh, CVS Target not only provides free flu shots, but they pay you for them. So that's kind of a good marketing tool. Um, it's a loss a leader, question, huh? <laughs> a loss leader, yeah. And then a question I have uh, is um, uh, I'd like to hear about more specifics about how they actually determine what the vaccine is going to be. That's really a great question, and we're always on pins and needles every year, too. And again, what happens, the World Health Organization looks to see what's happening in the southern hemisphere, uh, what what viruses are circulating down there, which ones are causing the most illness. And so there's people that meet together, and they look at that data, and then they make a determination to decide which viruses they believe will be circulating in the northern hemisphere. And most of the time, it's pretty accurate. But again, think about how many, many different strains there are of the flu virus. And like Dr. Hilden already said, they're kind of, they're sneaky and they can change pretty quickly. So sometimes the matches aren't great. But in a typical year, the match with a flu vaccine is about 40 to 60%. It's interesting to bring that up because we should be honest that these aren't perfect. No vaccine's perfect. Nothing we do in medicine's perfect. Um, but there, But there are we shouldn't let perfect be the enemy of the good. They're very good. Um, they're just not yeah. perfect. And it, it, there's a little bit of, I don't want to say guesswork. They're very educated. They're right. bright. Educated guesses. Yeah. <laughs> educated, science-based yes. research. But those mm-hmm. flu viruses, they don't live six years. They live a matter of weeks. They mm-hmm. just mutate many generations um, every season. All right. Uh, Thank you for your call. That's a great, have, great question. Uh, time for one more call. Frank is calling in from Roseville this morning. Frank, what is your question, please? Hi. Yes. Uh, I'm just wondering if, if there are uh, certain myths about the long-term effects of the flu shot that you could probably, you know, um, put out here or uh, set us straight on that, for instance. I mean, I've heard people say, no, I don't get it because the long-term effects can lead to Alzheimer's. Great question. I do hear sometimes of that about long-term effects. Do you know of any, Nan? No, I haven't heard of that before. So that's interesting to me. I've not heard that. People do say that. Um, Frank brings up a, a, a pretty good point. People say, well, I'm afraid of getting this every year because, you know, my body's going to have some long-term effect. I'm not aware of any evidence that any of that exists. But your point is a good one. People do bring it up, and it's something that they're, they're worried about. Your body is exposed to antigens or things that it needs to fight all day, every day, constantly, just by living. So we are, it's not like we're giving your body something that it's – they're seeing this all the time anyway. We're just giving you one against a particularly nasty viruses. There's a zillion other viruses that we're not giving you in your flu shot. You're getting exposed to stuff all the time. There's no known long-term effects of the vaccine itself. The long-term effects of influenza are, however, quite known. In fact, 
Unfortunately, there aren't a lot of long-term effects of influenza because if you get it and you get it badly, it's a short-term effect. And that short-term effect is a very serious lung infection, which can lead to a bacterial lung infection, a pneumonia, which can in some cases sadly lead to your demise. And so there, there aren't uh, tons of long-term effects of influenza even because you don't survive. Um, the vast majority of people, that being said, who do get influenza get sick, they get better, and they're okay. I want to make that quite clear. The vast majority do, but not all. All right, uh, that's probably all for the phone lines for today, huh? Yeah, we have about a minute, minute and a half to go. Oh, let Any me just, final thoughts? We're already to the end of the hour. Um, influenza is a topic of every year. It's one of the more important public health topics. So I really want to thank you, Nan Lohman, clinical supervisor at Hennepin Healthcare in our influenza p- um, programs at worksite wellness uh, locations. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. She knows everything about, uh, about the vaccines, about giving them, um, and her team of a hundred nurses and people who do registration at flu shot clinics are at the front lines of treating uh, and um, preventing influenza. So we really appreciate that. It's a great service. If you need to get a hold of any of our doctors or our clinics or to get your flu shot, here's the number. It's the one I give every week. It's 612-873-6963. And if you want to get more information about setting up a work site Clinic. Can you give that number one more time, Nan? This is a different number. Sure. This is for work sites, uh, 612-873-0800. That's if you want your church or school or work site to have a flu clinic brought out to you. That's that number. It's been great having you on the show. Thanks a lot, Nan. Coming up next week, I don't know if we've done a show about this uh, topic. What is it? I love this topic. It's Thanksgiving. We're going to have the, the executive chef from Hennepin and a chief of pediatrics talking about food preparation and nutrition. It's any, going to be a great show. Any samples? Brian? No okay. samples, right. but Antonio's a great chef. All right. Join us next week here on CCO. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.